I would be lying if I said I had no intentions whatsoever of monetizing it. Uh, I definitely had that in the back of my mind going into it, you know, listening to John Lee Dumas and Pat Flynn who are making lots and lots of money. <laughs> yeah. Podcast Junkies, episode 38. Today I speak to Justin Sisley. He's the host of Driven to Better. It's a relatively new podcast. And what I found interesting was, A, the fact that Justin reached out to me. And typically I don't have people on the show uh, from a, a cold intro, if you will. I like to meet people through a mutual friend or people that I've engaged with at a, at a conference or that uh, someone that was recommended to me. But I think what struck me from Justin's email was the fact that we were able to have a chat and I was able to find out a little bit more about what he was doing with Driven to Better. And I think his the way he articulated how he wanted to have a different kind of podcast and have people on his show that uh, you wouldn't see elsewhere. And he was really, really cognizant of that fact and, and took that into account with the booking of his guests. Um, it's really a collection of interviews with folks that you can relate to. And it's not... Uh, people that you've seen all over the the podcast world just uh, appearing on everyone else's show. So we chatted for a bit, and I, and, I, and I realized that it would be a good fit, and we scheduled a conversation that you're about to hear. And I, I, I don't think I was disappointed because I, it's in some ways, uh, Justin reminds me a lot of myself, his attention to details apparent in the design of his website and uh, the way he approaches his uh his artwork uh, positioned on the site and how he lists out the the podcast interviews. So uh, I, I think we, we found that um, we approach podcasting in a similar way. And I know that he's just getting started on his podcast journey and trying to figure out where it's going to end up. But I, I, I think that he definitely brings a passion and an interest to podcasting that I think is refreshing. And I was really happy to talk to him. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. So, Justin uh, Sisley, welcome to Podcast Junkies. Thank you, Harry. I'm glad to be on the show. Glad to be able to have a, a good conversation about podcasts with you. So, it's uh, from from everything I've seen online, I, it'd be safe to say that you're also a podcast junkie. I am. Oh, God, yeah. Not only just doing my own, but listening to, um, yeah, I don't really listen to music much anymore. Do you remember what was the first podcast you ever listened to? I do actually. It was it was the Foolish Adventure Show with um, Tim Conley and Izzy Hyman. Hyman, Izzy Hyman, I think. What's, um, that, what's that one about? Uh, it's entrepreneurship. It was um, uh, probably two or three years ago that I started listening to it. Um, they don't they don't produce the podcast anymore. Um, but from that podcast, they actually had Pat Flynn on. And that's when I downloaded Pat Flynn's podcast. And then that just opened up like a waterfall of podcasts onto my phone. So now I'm probably subscribed to, you know, damn near 20 podcasts <laughs> at, the, at this point. Yeah, it's so funny that we can't ever uh, listen to as many as we would like to. Um, I, I start to listen to them at uh, 2x speed because really that's the only way I can get through the back catalog. Yeah, I'm at 1.5, so kudos to you getting up to 2x. I just, I feel like it, I, I got to work up to that yet. It's like a muscle. I think you, if you start to do it, you'll get used to it. And you, 
it might sound weird at first, but then you get acclimated to it and it's hard to go back afterwards. Yeah. Have you ever gone back to one X and they just sound drunk? They do. It's, they do. <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. They just, uh, everything moves so much slower at that point. And you realize, uh, the example I've used in the past is if you're driving on the Autobahn at like 150 miles an hour, there's really not much else you're going to be thinking of at that point. And you're going to be so laser focused that, uh, ironically enough, you probably won't have an accident at that speed as opposed to driving at like 30 miles an hour. Well, you figure, oh, I'm not going that fast, but I can check my phone. I can check a text. I can fiddle with the radio or play with the, 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 the seat or just, just stuff, anything besides focusing on the road. And that's actually more likely an opportunity for you to have an accident. Yeah, that's a good analogy, especially for entrepreneurs who tend to have that shiny object syndrome. We're always fiddling or trying to multitask a little too much, I think. So I, this is such a small circle of entrepreneurs when you're actually in it um, and you see that other people are doing it um, and, and you start to see the same names over and over. And I don't know if it's the same thing for you uh, growing up in Madison, Wisconsin, that you noticed a lot of people around you were entrepreneurs and that's what drove you uh, to have that bug and then led you to eventually to the podcast? Uh, to be honest, no. Um, I, I grew up uh, in a fairly small town. I've been in Wisconsin all my life. I was from the Milwaukee area originally and then I moved to Madison to go to school and just stayed here afterwards. But um, around me was, uh, no entrepreneurs at all. Like I, I went to college for, um, accounting and I ended up being a public accountant after I got out of school, which didn't last very long. Um, but yeah, up until, you know, I was probably 22, 23 years old when I quit my, uh, accounting career. That's kind of when I started hanging out with entrepreneurs. Um, but I, yeah, I don't really have any any uh, friends from childhood or even uh, high school or college that are entrepreneurial like I am, um, which kind of sucked, you know, <laughs> like, and, and it's still, it's, it's hard because I'm trying to find those people. Um, but, you know, it's, it's really hard because a lot of people are in a lot of different types of businesses. And I'm, I'm definitely, y you probably have encountered, there's different kinds of entrepreneurs. You know, you've got the guys who just want to run the world, um, who want a huge company and, and all that stuff. And then I'm on the other side of that. I'm more of like a lifestyle entrepreneur. So I'm happy with some good cash flow and working from home and just kind of being able to, to chill and take a week off and go on vacation whenever I feel like it. Um, and if that means I only make, you know, enough to get by, that's fine as long as I'm, I'm happy. So it's, it's interesting to try and find somebody with the same mindset. Um, it seems like a lot of people in Madison are, are more of that tech entrepreneur looking for a huge change the world type of business. Um, and I guess I'm, I'm just not, that's not my end goal. What's the equivalent of the tech, um, area? within Madison. I know like obviously in, on the West coast, we have, we have Silicon Valley and the, even here in, in the, in the LA area, Santa Monica area, we have Silicon beach. And, um, so every, every, um, major city has, um, a, a tech hub. Is there one in Madison? I don't think Madison's big enough to have a separate area for it. Um, but I mean the, we have the university of Wisconsin here has uh, like 40,000 students or something like that. So pretty much the whole downtown area, 
revolves around, well, one, it's the capital of the state. So there's a lot of government here. Um, and to the university. So the whole downtown area is very much um, focused on a lot of entrepreneurial stuff. There's not really one set pocket of it. But um, but yeah, there's a lot of tech stuff coming out of Madison. It's been getting some press lately as being, you know, kind of uh, the, the Silicon Valley of the Midwest, if you will. Um, just the number, because it's not a big city. There's maybe a quarter million people here, but a lot, a lot of tech companies come out of here. Um, obviously Chicago is a big hub for that too, but Chicago is also just a huge city, you know? Yeah. I was, I was wondering because I'm, I'm trying to figure out like where your inspiration comes from, uh, where you would look for, for a mentor for something like technology or in your case, the impetus to start a podcast. Yeah. If you can figure it out, let me know. Cause I can't, I can't find a, a really good spot to find a mentor either. Um, there, there's one other podcaster that I know of in Madison. Um, and I, I met him for coffee. Um, but he doesn't have the same type of podcast. It, he's, he's got a different mentality, I think. So, um, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's tough finding somebody in person. I mean, I know obviously there's a million people out there who have coaching courses and coaching programs and packages. Um, you know, I'm still hesitant to do that. Uh, one, because I'm broke. And two, because, you know, I really like that really personal feel of being able to meet somebody face to face and talk things through. So for the benefit of the listener, Justin reached out to me uh, probably about a month or two ago. And, and I, I tend to get a couple of requests for folks to come on the show. I think, Justin, what stood out from your request is is obviously I went to the website and I sort of looked at what you had put together in terms of the podcast so far. And really what caught my eye was the fact that there weren't a lot of familiar names in the guests you had. So talk a little bit about what your idea was for creating a podcast that would differentiate yourself from what you had currently seen or had been listening to up until that point. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'll, I guess I'll preface this with the disclaimer that, um, I, I love listening to podcasts. I love listening to the big ones. You know, I listen to John Lee Dumas. I listen to Pat Flynn. Um, I love those shows and they provide a ton of value. But um, you're right. When you mentioned before, you see a lot of the same people on different shows. And my kind of goal with this was everybody's creating an entrepreneurial podcast where they interview other entrepreneurs and they all try to get, you know, they'd all love to have Tim Ferriss on their show. They'd all, they all have, you know, John Lee Dumas and Pat Flynn and they all trying to get the same kind of people on there. Um, and with that, it's hard to differentiate yourself from the hundreds of other, you know, business podcasts out there. So my goal was to really, really focus on the early entrepreneurs, the really early stage people and I don't have a hard, fast rule for that. It's typically been people in the first three or five years of their business sometimes. Um, but I, I don't think I've really interviewed anybody that's further along than that. Um, and, and that the point of that was to, one, provide you know some press or publicity for these new businesses because I've done the same thing. I've started several small businesses um, and several of them have failed already. And I know how hard it is to get your name out there when nobody's ever heard of you. You know, you're not going to get written about in the paper or magazines or anything like that when you're in the first, you know, couple of years of your business, unless somehow you created Uber or, you know, Airbnb, that sort of thing. 
So yeah, that the whole goal is to really focus on the early stage entrepreneurs, give relatable interviews with people who are out there grinding out their businesses every day, rather than hearing from somebody who is so successful now that it's hard to relate to them. Like Mark Cuban became a millionaire, what, a 15 years ago, maybe even more than that. Like what he did back then will not work today. The, the landscape has changed too much. Even somebody who became successful five years ago, it won't work today. Like if you tried to launch, you know, a, an Airbnb today, it's going to be a heck of a lot tougher to be that unicorn that they are now. Yeah, I think it's uh, the the big takeaway or idea that um, really resonates with me. It, it comes from a book that I reread again recently called Blue Ocean Strategy. I don't know if you've heard of it. Oh, yeah, definitely. So the concept there is to look for areas that are untouched instead of trying to innovate on something that exists already. So there's probably a ton of people doing that. And I think you might have uh, th thought of that as you were taking that approach, because most people would say, okay, let me create a podcast. <clears throat> And then I'll just do a variation of what's out there now, which is why you see the, the proliferation of the .preneur.onfire podcasts. And I, I have a feeling, um, especially when you see that they're following a certain template, I, I don't think that they're going to last long. So I'm glad to see you took a different approach and you really look to highlight people that weren't getting highlighted. And I think in some cases, probably people that have never even been on a podcast before. Yeah, I'd say majority of my guests probably have, have not been on a podcast ever or even done any sort of audio interview. So that must have been challenging because I, I have the benefit of interviewing podcasters. And as you can imagine, the majority of them have a, at least a, de a decent mic uh, setup. Um, so I, I generally tend to have uh, good quality audio for my guests. So I'm, I'm lucky from that uh, respect. But have you run into any challenges at, when bringing people onto your show? realizing that they may have never even owned a, a mic or a USB mic before? Yeah, I mean, luckily, the the like a lot of people have MacBooks these days, and the built-in mic on those is actually pretty decent. Um, it's not awful. Uh, the thing I've run into the most is actually people wear the iPhone headphones with the built-in mic, yeah. and that mic picks up like any sort of, you know, if it touches your clothing, you hear it. Um, and it, it just has a lot of feedback in it. So that's become like, I can tell as soon as they get on online with me, I can just hear it. I, I know the exact sound of that microphone. So I'm like, are you using the, uh, the iPhone earbuds? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, well, <laughs> either one, just if you have a MacBook, just unplug them and use the built-in mic or two, be very, very conscious of where that mic is and make sure it's not rubbing up against anything as you're talking because it's, yeah, it's there was one that was so bad that I like after I recorded it, I didn't think it was that bad as we were going along, but I went through and started editing and editing it and it was it was just so distracting. I I couldn't even air the episode, so I just had to scrap it. Yeah, it's one of those live and learn episodes. It pro they'd probably be helpful if they just held the mic away from their their shirt while they're talking. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's yeah, it's I guess yeah, it's one of those things you're right and you got to you got to learn as you go. <laughs> so I, so so what's been the the most interesting story? Um, you're probably close to 40 episodes in. If I, yeah, on, it looks like you're on 37 on the site now. So um, yeah. what's been some of the most interesting stories you've had from the people that you've interviewed so far? Um, I always, I always talk about a failure with every single guest that I have. I think that's really important is to bring out 
the failures that people have had um, because I think you learn as much if not more from your failures as you do from your successes. So we've had some uh, some interesting failed businesses come up. Um, one that comes to mind was actually Caleb Brown who runs a company called Handmade Tea. He got some press for one of his failed businesses, like some heavy press. He started a quarter delivery service for um, people doing laundry at the laundromat. So it was big on like college campuses. And all it was, was you basically paid, I don't remember the exact numbers, but you paid, let's say $20 to get $15 worth of quarters delivered to your house. <laughs> like, cause you were too lazy to go somewhere and get change. Um, and they actually got a bunch of press. It was mostly negative press, you know, it's like Buzzfeed or yeah. like TechCrunch saying like, this is the dumbest business ever. I can't believe people are doing this. Um, but ultimately what killed it was, uh, the, the terms of service for the payment processor, apparently selling money is against the terms of service for the big processors like Stripe and Square and all that. So that's what ended up killing the business. But it was just funny to hear that people were were actually buying into that, though, that people are that lazy. Well, it's interesting because I heard something. I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, a lot of the, the productivity hacks out there. So you're always seeing um, new ideas um, come around. And I think there was one, I think it was called Nimble. It's basically the same concept, but it's like an ATM. So you have, I imagine it's an iPhone app or something like that. And if you, if you sometimes go to a restaurant and you realize they only pay with, you can only pay with cash. Apparently this service will deliver to you at the restaurant or wherever you're at, like actually cash in hand. <laughs> that is nuts. I, I can see that, I suppose, because you might not plan on that. I mean, laundry, come on, you know, you got to do it every day. Like yeah, get that's some quarters crazy. next time or, or not every day, but you know, you got to do it every week or whatever. Yeah, it was, get some quarters. Yeah, it was. It was called. It's called Nimble. N i m b l. Um, okay, that's like actually it, pretty cool. Yeah, it looks like it's actually still still around. But the first few transactions are free, and then users are charged five dollars per delivery, which is obviously an outrageous ATM fee. But uh, again, with all these things, it's really convenience that you're paying for. So if you actually try to do the math on it, you know it doesn't make sense. But if it really saves you time, or if you're having like a you know three hundred dollar dinner or something like that, and for some reason that the restaurant doesn't take uh, credit cards and you'd actually pay, you wouldn't mind paying someone five bucks to get, to bring that money to you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I can see that there's definitely like the subscription box services are becoming really huge now. Yeah. There's a subscription box service for literally everything. Like, I, I mean, I just, I don't, I somehow came across one. I think it was in a Facebook group. I'm in a, a few groups for entrepreneurs and there's one, for like condom delivery, <laughs> like you can get a weekly condom delivery. Like I don't like I can just see guys enrolling for that just to like show off. Yeah, like totally. yeah, I, I have to get them delivered weekly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I think it's uh, there was an article for the for the from the CEOs of uh, Birchbox. These two ladies that uh, I think kicked off the the whole idea, and I think they deliver makeup. Um, it's a multi million dollar company now, and obviously you've had a lot of people. Uh, steal the idea or just borrow the idea and just bark box for um, dog food delivery and a couple of, of others. And I myself, I use something similar. It's, it's not a box delivery, but I, but I use Blue Apron. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's food. It's uh, prepped ingredients for three meals delivered to your house every week. Ah, okay. No, I haven't heard of that one. 
Yeah, it's, there's Blue Apron, there's Plated, there's probably a couple of others that exist now. But the great thing about it is that it delivers these fantastic dishes like like tandoori chicken and like shawarma and like, like meatballs and literally like fish and and just every kind of combination of like ethnicities and and meals um, from all parts of the world. And a lot of times they involve these like crazy, like individual spices that you never would never buy or you end up buying for one recipe. And then when you try to use them, it's like use them that one time and then that you never use them again. Oh yeah. I definitely know how that goes. Everybody's got that cabinet full of them in the kitchen. So yeah, it's cool because it's, it gives us a unique like dishes every single week, stuff that we would never even make. Um, you do, you do have to do a lot of the chopping of the vegetables yourself, but what's great about it is that you get this variety of, of food and every time you finish the dish, you feel like a master chef. Yeah. Yeah. That's one that I would definitely be interested in. I can't cook. I mean, I can physically cook things if somebody tells me what to do, but yeah, usually it comes down to just, I don't have the time to really go grocery shopping. And then, yeah, I, I make dinner for myself and sometimes my girlfriend. So when you're cooking for one, you know, a lot of recipes aren't really meant for that. So you go out and you buy a whole bunch of this one item, kind of like the spices, but, you know, with everything else. So you get a bunch of, you know, peppers or something. And it's like, well, now I got to figure out something to make that has peppers in it every night this week. <laughs> exactly. So uh, I'm, think, I'm thinking about all the, all the unique uh, companies that you have on your site and I'm, I'm wondering uh, if you could talk a little bit about the process for actually tracking these down, because the fact that they're unknown means at some point they were unknown to you as well. And you've probably got to do some research or you've have you've got some places to look to conti- to continue to ensure you've got a, a fresh supply of new guests coming in onto the show. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, uh, Reddit has been a huge source of guests for me. Um, there's the subreddits. Are you familiar with Reddit? Yeah. Okay. So there's the specific subreddits for startup and entrepreneurs. And so I'll, I'll post there and just say, Hey, I'm, I'm looking for guests. You know, you gotta be in the first three, four or five years of your business in order to be on the show. Send me a message. Let me know what your website is, what your business is. I'll see if it's a good fit. And if it is, then we'll get you on the show. So that's probably been the best source so far, but I think, uh, that that might be running dry. (laughs) <laughs> because a lot of the people, if you've ever been on our slash entrepreneur, you realize like a lot of those people are really entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, they don't have a business or they would say they have a business, but what they actually have does not in any way constitute a business. Um, so yeah, that, that well might be running dry soon, but I've actually found that now that I've got, like you said, close to 40 interviews under my belt, um, it's, it's pretty easy to get, past guests to refer other people. Um, so I always ask a guest on the show after we finish interviewing, you know, if there's anybody else that you think would like to be on the show, definitely send them my way. And those people I barely have to vet, you know, cause the, the person who's already been on the show knows exactly what they're in for. They're not going to recommend somebody who wouldn't be a good fit. So that's been a great way to do it too. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, that's, it's always key to ask those people at the end of the interview. Is there anyone else you think would be a good fit for the show? Yeah, I've gotten some good people that way. I I did an interview with a guy in, uh, in South Korea, wow. lives in Seoul. <laughs> and he actually, after the interview, referred me to another guy in Australia 
who I interviewed then. So it's it that's kind of how I got international too. It's been it's been awesome so far. Yeah. So you interviewed uh, Kevin Lavelle from Mizzen in Maine. Yeah. Yeah, he was a great interview. He referred me to then um, to Adam from Blue Claw, who was, I think, Monday's episode. It's funny because I, I I read something about Kevin. Uh, I'm, I think it was Kevin. It was definitely Mizzen in Maine. So I don't know. Is uh, Kevin the CEO? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was Kevin because he talked about the Tim Ferriss effect uh, because he actually ended up advertising on Tim Ferriss's podcast. Yeah, that's how I found him was uh, that Medium article kind of yep. went viral a little bit. And so I just reached out to him on Twitter and said, hey, I saw your article. It was a great read and was wondering if you'd want to be on a podcast about early entrepreneurs. And he's only been in business for, I think, two or three years now. Um, so it, it was a good fit for the show. And he was like, absolutely. And we, we got him on it. Twitter has been amazing too, for finding guests and just, just connecting with listeners too. It's been incredible how many people I get. I interact with, with everybody who follows me on Twitter. It gets tedious sometimes, but it's important. <laughs> yeah, uh, one, of the yeah. Th- one of the things you can do and something that I've done recently is create a separate Twitter list of people that have been on your show, because a lot of times what happens, um, what you want to do is take advantage of the fact that you've established a relationship with these folks who've been gracious enough to, to be on your show. And a lot of times what we do as podcasters is sometimes we are so concerned about moving on to the next step or the next guest that's, we sort of let our early guests, um, fall by the, not fall by the wayside exactly, but just kind of out of sight, out of mind. So, one thing I did recently is you can create custom Twitter lists and I created one that is basically podcast junkie uh, guests or whatever I called it. And it's just a way for me to every once in a while see what my past guests have been up to and just continue to re-engage with them. Because there's a whole concept of networking that says you have to keep these uh, contacts fresh. And so you have to occasionally reach out to people and probably, you know, every maybe two or three weeks, maybe every month depending on, on who the person is, because I think it's a good way to grow your network. Um, and you want to grow your network, obviously, from people that you've already spoken to. So you've already done the homework. You've already done the homework on these folks. You've already actually engaged with them. So you've, you're sort of halfway there in terms of establishing relationships with them. And you never know like how these will pan out. So why not take advantage of the fact that you've already lit that spark and continue to engage with them on a regular basis? Yeah, that's definitely a good tip. I will I will put that into action tonight for sure. Yeah, I think it's important because not not because you're waiting to see if any one of these guys go, you know, public and end up being the next big uh big thing, but I think it's just people people can understand and relate to you when you take a genuine interest in what they do and you don't ask them for anything when when you're offering any help or any services uh, or a- any guidance for them. Or uh, a lot of times what you can do is say, hey, I, I remember during our interview, we talked about this topic. I just read this article about this. I thought it was great. I, you know, I, I'll, I'll send it over to you and just kind of send it out there without expecting anything in return. I've done that a couple of times for past guests. Yeah, I've definitely noticed um, some of my guests three of them actually have have had Kickstarter campaigns going on when I interviewed them. So I definitely keep track of those. And I, I'm, I'm happy to say that all three of them completed their goal. One of them is significantly over and his just ends, I think, tonight. So yeah, it's, it, Twitter's been an, an amazing way to keep track of those people and to find them, find guests and find listeners. I mean, I've interacted with a lot of listeners on the show 
And that, that feels so good when you, when you have somebody who you have no idea who they are and you see them tweet about, you know, this is my new favorite podcast and it's yours. And you're Mm -hmm. just like, wow, that is so awesome. Like, I want to give this guy a hug. (laughs) That's very cool. Yeah. It's, it's been an awesome experience so far. I mean, the, the podcast just allows you to, to reach people you don't, you don't know, um, more so than I think a lot of other mediums would ever allow you to do. So I th- what I thought was interesting, I was looking through some of the, uh, you had a couple of blog posts there, and I think you'd posted something on Medium as well. And one of the things that, uh, that um, attracted me to it was the fact that you, it's really analytical posts that interest you, and it's probably because of your accounting background. But I know you do the top 50 influencers. You've done that a couple times on the blog post. And then on the on the Medium, you did sort of like a breakdown of, a, I think you called it a numbers geek study of top post titles. So do you plan on doing more of that, more of the, the posting, um, the in-depth posting around stats, around podcasting or, or, or blog articles? Yeah, I mean, the, the top 50 is something I plan on doing monthly. Uh, I've done it two months now, and I have been procrastinating for this month's list, but I'm running out of time, so that should be done uh, next week. What, but, was, what yeah, was what was funny about that is like well let me see if, let me see if my show is on there and then I started to see uh, traffic of some of the folks that are on there and the Twitter traffic for some of the folks on there was less than what, what mine and then I realized my my podcast is not in business category so that's probably why it's not show you know that's why it doesn't even have the opportunity to show up there. Well, yeah, it was, it's, it's only business podcasts and it's only those in new and noteworthy. So going in the, you know, same direction as my show, I only wanted to include people who have new shows. So yours, yours wouldn't have been a new and noteworthy at the time either. So you would have been doubly disqualified. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> it was, it was a reminder because I think at the beginning I, I stayed out of business because it was such a crowded field, but a lot of times I play around with the categories and I think, uh, recently I actually switched back into business just to see if it uh, drives any traffic differently. It's kind of hard to measure some of those things, but I think it just speaks to trying, uh, different things, continuous, continuing to try different strategies to see what can drive some of that traffic up because I think everyone, every podcaster knows that the iTunes algorithm is a, a bit of a black box. Yeah, it's so weird. Like <laughs> there were there were times when when I was a new and noteworthy, me being as analytical as I am, was just I was just constantly looking at it and seeing, you know, where do I rank? Where do I rank? And you know, I'd go from being in in the business category, I think I peaked at like number 3 one day or something, but it was not a particularly big it wasn't after a big day of downloads, it wasn't after a lot of reviews. I could not figure out how I made it to number three. And then, you know, the following day I was down to like number 30 and I had the same amount of downloads and I got a couple of reviews and I moved down. So yeah, I, I have no idea how that ranking system works. Yeah. It's kind of crazy because, and I think they want to keep it like that, but you were using Moz, right? To determine at least some of the traffic. And I think you were using uh, Twitter traffic to determine the rankings for your, for your list. Yeah, I used Moz, their follower wonk uh, feature. Okay. So it measures interaction on Twitter, not just, you know, number of followers. So that way, somebody who has 500 followers but is, is getting a lot of interaction will outrank somebody with 10,000 who really doesn't do much on Twitter. And we definitely saw that in, in, in the list, too. So, so, Justin, stepping back, w- when you thought about starting it, 
the podcast? I mean, there's so many, there's such a proliferation of podcasts out there right now. Were you thinking that this is going to be a hobby or because you have the entrepreneurial streak in you, you thought at some point, let me figure out a way to monetize it, which um, you may have heard already is very challenging. Um, but are you thinking about a, a long game play here? I would be lying if I said I had no intentions whatsoever of monetizing it. Uh, I definitely had that in the back of my mind going into it, you know, listening to John Lee Dumas and Pat Flynn who are making lots and lots of money. <laughs> yeah insane amounts of money from essentially from their podcast. I mean, they make the money from all over the place, but what started it all was them having a popular podcast. So that's definitely in the back of my mind. Am I doing anything now to actively try and monetize it? No. I mean, other than uh, the occasional affiliate stuff, you know, audible.com, you can get an affiliate account with them. And that fits well with my show because I always ask my guests, kind of like John Lee Dumas, I always ask them for a recommended book because I'm a huge book nerd. I love reading. I typically have two or three books in progress at any given point. So I do ask them about that. And then, you know, I insert a little plug at the after that for audible.com where they can sign up and, and do all that jazz. Other than that, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not monetizing it right now. I'm not seeking sponsors. I'm not, you know, putting together any paid service or paid coaching class or whatever that everybody goes after. Uh, I don't have a big enough audience even if I wanted to. So at this point, yeah, I'm just trying to grow the audience, get on some good guests, and really try and interact with as many people as I can. Yeah, I think you might have an interesting approach um and opportunity because of the the nature of the guests that you're bringing on. So for, you're talking to a lot of early stage companies that, and some of them are have been successful, like Mizzen and Main, like uh, Beard Beard Brand, is it? The, yeah, Beard Brand. Yep. Yeah, Beard Brand. So you know these these folks are up and coming. So you may want to think about how can I um, provide more help to that area where this really like the three to five year uh, uh, startups. Um, and I'm not sure what that would look like, but just sort of focus in on what that niche is so that you're not this shotgun approach entrepreneur podcast. You're really looking at the early, early entrepreneurs. And I, and I know that you, you focus on a lot of folks that have actual physical products too, which is something a little bit different than what most of the online entrepreneurial podcasts are doing. Yeah, that was that was my my goal as well with it because tech companies I'm not going to not interview tech companies or tech, you know, entrepreneurs, but they do get more than their fair share of press and coverage and, you know, internet marketing is, you know, it's it's all a variation of the same type of thing, so there's only so much you can say in, in an interview, only so many people you can interview about online marketing that sort of thing. So yeah, I definitely did um consciously put a focus on physical product businesses or just different stuff. I still have a lot of areas I want to get into. I actually, I'm really looking for a stand-up comedian to have on the show because I mm. think it'd just be interesting to hear about the business side of that. You know, you think you go see a comedian and you, you just go to see as an entertainer and they're funny and that's great. But it'd be really interesting to me and I think to a lot of other people to hear actually behind the scenes the business of being a stand-up comedian. How's that work? How do you get into that? How do you promote yourself? You know, like I think that'd be really cool. Yeah, I think you should. I mean, I, I definitely think that's a, a unique path that you should continue down. 
because it's it, it is like I said, it's different than what I've seen out there so far. Um, unless there's other people doing what you're doing, but I just you just got to me first. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure there are other people doing it. I, I know there are, but uh, yeah, you know, I just try to try to differentiate myself by being uh, very focused on interaction. It, it all comes back to interaction, really. I mean, I, I try to talk to anybody who will talk to me. Uh, that will that listens to the show. So, and my main way of doing that is is on Twitter. So, whenever people mention the show or whenever people follow my Twitter, I, I always try to get a genuine interaction there. You know, it's always a thanks for the follow, but then there's usually a follow up question after that. You know, do you have your own business? How long have you had it? You know, what is what are you struggling with the most? That sort of thing. So that's why I'm trying to how I'm trying to differentiate myself as being very accessible. I guess it seems like. Because of your accounting background and maybe this is your, your right brain tendencies and the fact that the, the, the blog and the site itself is pretty clean. I mean, I like the look of it a lot. I like the, uh, the design elements, um, and how all the episodes are laid out. So is that inherent in your nature, like to be very structured in terms of how you organize your day and, and do you have a morning routine? structured is is intentional on the website uh i can't say that i do have a morning routine now just started though i can't say that before that i really had a super structured day i i now do the miracle morning i'm sure you've heard of hell elrod mm-hmm. i'm i'm only in week number two so it's still it's still a, a task it's still a chore kind of to get get going on that stuff every day um, but hopefully later on it'll become second nature and it'll, it'll have a great effect on me, but we'll see. Yeah. I gotta, gotta give it a good fair shake and, and maybe it'll work out after a month or two and maybe it won't. We'll see. What about, do you have one? I'm, I'm interested in hearing about your routine. Yeah. I mean, I've, um, like I said, I mentioned a huge fan of productivity. I, um, I try to get up as around five thirty or six and do some meditation. I think the days that I do do it, it definitely helps, um, balance out the rest of the day. And then I just, some, some positive intentions about what I want to get done, like overall in my life, um, are usually helpful. And then I just, I, I try to work on the thing that moves my business forward the most. A lot of times there's four or five things you want to work on. Um, I'm not necessarily always successful, but if I if I have the uh, the awareness to think about what's the one thing that's going to move my business forward or increase my in- my income my revenue on the products that I'm offering now like do that if you do that and you get that out of the way then you can almost be forgiven for um, doing some other stuff that's more time filler stuff you know maybe organizing your social media posts or fixing up your website. But I think what you have to be careful of is not, is not to fall into the trap of busy work just for the sake of doing something that you think is productive because the whole day could go by and then you could look back and say, you know, I really didn't do anything to grow, you know, in your case, you know, your show, you know, um, and say, move it forward or, or get it, you know, out to more uh, avenues as much as possible because you have to do that. I think even if you don't have like a very, very rigid morning routine, um, and I use Evernote for a lot of my, my brain dump, uh, stuff and everything that I have a, a note of constant, constantly. I used to use notepads and, and post-its and stuff like that, but I think more of an effort, I'm, I'm putting it in Evernote. So it's always there. It's like my offline brain, but, um, my notes are there. So I take one note that I read every morning and that's the one with the affirmations and, and the things I want to work on. 
So have some sort of structured routine, I think is, is my advice so that there's, there's one major thing. And ideally, if you can uh, figure out what that is the night before and have it ready to go for you in the morning, you're not kind of fumbling around because the worst thing to do is sit at your computer in the morning and say, okay, what do I want to, what do I want to do today? And a lot of people use their calendar for that. A lot, you know, I I know a lot of very successful, successful folks that, uh, I was talking recently to Jordan Harbinger and, um, Greg Hickman has also touched upon this before of Mobile Mixed. He said, if it's not on his calendar, then it's not on his agenda because, um, he even, you know, uh, schedules things like lunch, um, and breakfast and his meditation and his exercise because otherwise, that empty space is sort of like a, a, a black hole. It gets filled up really quickly with meaningless stuff. Yeah, I, I definitely, I've started using, and especially with, with Calendly, what I'm using now to schedule interviews and, and really just, I, I, I finally bite the, bit, bit the bullet and upgraded to the, uh, the paid version of it so that I could have a bunch of different types of events. So now, and I feel like kind of a, I don't know. I don't I hope people don't see me as like pompous or too busy for them, but <laughs> I, it's just so damn convenient. You can't argue with it. So like when somebody wants to get coffee or a beer, I'll be like, yeah, use this link to schedule it. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so like I literally have a guy who I'm going to get a beer with for a happy hour next week, Monday, and I had him schedule it on my calendar because, yeah, I, I use it for everything. I set, a, set, I set aside time last Saturday for day drinking and yard games. Like I scheduled <laughs> that in my calendar, like noon to 10 p.m., I am unavailable for anything but beer and yard games. It was like the first over 70 degree day in Madison. So I had to take advantage of it. That's hilarious. I think that's the first time I've heard someone use a Cali link to schedule like uh, drinks with a friend. But that's actually a very good uh, suggestion because like you said, um, sometimes I know this, the most successful people don't even manage their own calendar because they, 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 they don't uh, trust themselves to, to not screw it up. Yeah, I, I was in that boat before Calendly. I gotta, I gotta shout out to them and promote them because that's, uh, that's made it so much easier to manage my schedule. Yeah. And from a design perspective, I really, really liked it. I know a lot of people swear by schedule once, um, and a couple of the other time trader and some other sites, but I think just from a look and feel, um, I, I really love Calendly. Definitely. Yeah, I looked at schedule once too, and it was the, the interface was not something that appealed to me right off the bat. And so I went with Calendly. And I think John Lee Dumas even said if he could go back, uh, he's kind of committed now to schedule once, but there's a guy whose calendar has to be insane. <laughs> and he said he would go with Calendly now too. So That's funny. I hadn't, hadn't heard that. That reassured me. So what does your family think about what you're doing? Um, it sounds like based on what you talked about the, the environment in, in Madison, um, and maybe the fact that it's not even in your family, uh, are, are you one of the few entrepreneurs in your family and, and what is your, what do your friends and family think about it? Um, I'm the only entrepreneur in my family that I know of. And one of the only entrepreneurs in my group of my, my core group of friends doesn't have another entrepreneur in it. Obviously I've made those friends along the way because they were other entrepreneurs, but as far as people who were friends first, uh, I don't think I, I can't think of anybody really who's an entrepreneur. Um, but yeah, I, I'll be really candid with you. Like I went to school and I got in a massive amount of debt to get a master's degree in accounting from the University of Wisconsin, which is even though it's a public school, it's not a cheap public school to go to. So I, you know, my my family was a little worried. I at 
when I was 23 years old, I was making close to six figures, which in Madison for somebody that age is, is quite a bit. Yeah. And I quit uh, to start my own businesses. And my family was definitely a little worried about me at that point because even though I was making that much money, I was not spending it the way I should have when you're 23 years old and you're <laughs> making that kind of money you know, you're not thinking about, oh, I should probably pay off all of my school loans right away. You yeah. know, you think you think the world is is just coming to you and you've got plenty of time to get rid of it. So yeah, they were definitely worried. They were uh a little a little untrusting at first, but I think now that I've been able to explain it to them and I haven't had to move back in with my parents yet, they uh they trust me enough now that I can I can make a go of it and and even if I'm not successful, which I, to be honest, wouldn't consider myself a successful entrepreneur quite yet, uh, I can at least get by. And and I, I do still have a job, actually. But I had to take a job because I knew, you know, I, I had something had to give. The bills had to get paid. The school loans got to get paid. Uh, so taking a job is sometimes a necessary evil for an entrepreneur. But I realized that uh, I can do that now. And I've got plenty of time to kind of work something out and, and replace that in the future. So digging a, a bit deeper in, into the personal side, what, what would you say is the most mis misunderstood thing about you? Misunderstood thing about me. I, I wouldn't, I guess maybe that I just like to talk too much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess it's good that I'm in podcasting. I do like to talk a lot and I think sometimes it might come off as, uh, arrogance because uh, a lot of times I'll talk about things that I've done and it's really just I get uncomfortable in moments of like silence or you know if there's not a conversation flowing I get uncomfortable and I just like start talking about whatever I can think of that happened that day and so yeah I, I think that's probably the biggest thing is just people people might see that as me being arrogant and wanting to talk about myself I think I'm just nervous and don't know what else to say <laughs> Yeah, you're definitely in the right uh, profession, podcasting, if you like to talk. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, it's funny because most people, like, you realize, like, um, when you think about people who are bloggers and writers and um, and, and you know, creative types, uh, some people love to create content, you know, people that are photographers and, and, and things like that. Uh, there's a whole, I, I, you find with podcasters that they like to talk and even their blog posts, I know, they, they tend to sometimes have them dictated or um, they use a service that'll, that'll that'll do short videos for them, and and they find that they can communicate their message more effectively than having to sit down and actually write out a whole blog post. Yeah, that, I'm I'm in that boat. I I don't like the blog posts that I've written. Um, the list is okay because it's a list, and that's you know my analytical mind can handle a list. But the the other posts I've attempted writing, I'm not terribly pleased with them. Yeah, like you said, I just, I don't feel I can communicate best through writing because I'm also a bit of a perfectionist. So I'll go through and I'll rewrite a paragraph like 10 times before I move on to the next one. So it also takes me forever to write a blog post, hmm. which is why I don't have more up. Yeah, no, I think we're similar in that nature as well. What other content uh, do you find yourself constantly talking about, whether it's a another podcast or TV shows or movies that, that you also recommend? Are you saying non, non business yeah, related? Not, yeah. Non business. Well, yeah. Non business related, but, uh, 
do you find a lot of times you you know you find that you're passionate about uh, a TV show or a, a movie that you've seen recently, and in our case, obviously podcasts. But just just so it's not limited to podcasts, I was wondering if there's anything you've 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 consumed recently that you're raving about. Uh, I'm a big fan of stand up comedy, just in general. Okay, I, I my favorite place to go on the weekends is the local comedy club, which I'm blessed because. The local comedy club in Madison is actually really, really good. They get some big name people there. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of stand-up comedy. When I just need something in the background while I'm doing you know, other things for the podcast or whatever, I'll usually just go on to Netflix or Hulu or whatever and, and pull up one of the Comedy Central you know, hour-long stand-up comedy conglomerations, whatever. They've got five or six people going through. So yeah, that, that's, that's a big part of what I do to just kind of relax. It sounds like the podcasting and the comedy and the, I like the, the fact that you like to talk a lot is all sort of kind of playing in, in together maybe. And it's just kind of describes, uh, paints a bit, uh, another, uh, picture about your persona. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm definitely the, uh, the immature one in the group who <laughs> will, I just try to make every situation as, as light as possible. I'm, I'm definitely the, non-stressed guy I, I really don't get stressed out very easily or maybe i do and i just handle it well i guess i haven't figured that out yet but yeah i'm always the guy cracking a joke at probably in inappropriate times um but you know it goes back to when like i was saying before i just get awkward or a little uncomfortable when conversation just like subsides so then i'll usually crack a stupid joke <laughs> Well, I think it, it fits you well in terms of podcasting because it, it probably lends itself to you having things to talk about when you're on the show with your guests. Yeah, I, I like to, I sometimes have to restrain myself from <laughs> taking over the interview <laughs> too much. Uh, I realize this is, this is awesome for me, by the way, Harry, being on the other side of the mic and I get to do a bunch of the talking. So this is, this is interesting because I've only done one before that I was being interviewed, or I think it, maybe it's two before this one, but it's definitely different. But yeah, it's, it's, it's sometimes I have to stop myself and be like, look, he just made a good point. Just say thank <laughs> you and leave it at that and yeah, move exactly. on to the next question. Exactly. Yeah, you just got to let the conversation flow. And I found that the Q&A formula for me what didn't work early on and I sort of ditched it. And now just let the, the conversation flow. Uh, and I think it just sounds a bit more natural. So yeah, it does. I've listened to, you know, several of your shows and, and they flow really well. It it doesn't sound scripted at all. Well, cuz it's not. <laughs> Full disclosure for everybody listening, I asked Harry if there was an outline before and he said, "Nope." And I was like, <laughs> "All right, we're going to do this." Yeah, exactly. I think what you find is uh just take an interest in your guests and it's just advice, you know, it's advice to you and it's advice to the listeners as well. I've, I've said it a couple of times, but just take a genuine interest in your guests. Listen closely to what they're talking about. It's no different than if you were to go to a happy hour and, and you, you, you'd met someone new that your friend introduced you to. And if they start talking about a topic that's interesting, you're naturally going to have a follow up question and it'll just lead to more, uh, of, uh, of a longer conversation. And I think that's the same thing you can do when you're having guests on your podcast. Yeah. Definitely. Nobody likes the guy at the networking event who just 
Well, it can go both ways, I suppose. There's the guy who talks about nothing but himself, and then there's the guy who literally will not answer your question because he's <laughs> responding to your question with a question for you. Yeah, exactly. And that can get a little annoying too, I suppose. So, Justin, uh, I thanks for taking the time to come on the show. Yeah, definitely. I had a blast. I, I thank you for having me on. It sounds like you uh, you set a high bar for your guests, and I'm glad I was able to get over that. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about what you're doing, and I'm I'm looking forward to getting an update, you know, in a couple of months, and 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 seeing. I think you're you're headed on the right path. You're going after guests that are not the normal guests, and I think you're highlighting these folks in a unique way. And as you look to sort of monetize the podcast or ideas from what you can do in the future, it may not necessarily revolve specifically around the podcast. The more conversations you have, whether you understand it or not, you're going to become a subject matter expert in the art of podcasting itself. And if Madison is not a big hub for this sort of topic, there's a, a real opportunity for you to take a leadership position in the, in the community and do everything from teach a volunteer or, or, or get paid to teach at a school or speak at small conferences that are coming to your, your, your neighborhood or your city or even train people locally. Uh, you'd be surprised how many people locally may need help with this sort of thing. So I think my advice to you is just to keep your um, eyes open for any and all opportunities that may tangentially appear as a result of the, the show you've started. Yeah, that's a really good point. I appreciate it. I will definitely look out. And so the best place to track you down online is? Probably Twitter. I mean, the website for the show is driventobetter.com. All the episodes are there. I'll do a shameless plug for my DTB Plus Club, which is free. It's just a, a community of entrepreneurs. We have a private Facebook group where we all try and help each other out with business ideas. And I kind of play the, I guess, the teacher, if you will, uh, mostly holding people accountable. We do uh, midweek accountability posts where I check on people from the last week what they said they were going to do and, and hold them accountable. And if they didn't do it, there's no shame in that. But you know, at least trying to hold people accountable to grow their business, not just like you said, do a bunch of busy work and feel like you did something in your business. So, so that's their uh, Twitter is just at driven to better. That's probably the best way to get a hold of me then. Okay. So uh, folks can follow you there and uh, keep close tabs. And if anyone ha knows of anyone, any of the listeners knows of anyone who is, has a, a, a new business that they're just getting off the ground uh, three to about three to five years in the making, uh, and specifically someone that hasn't been highlighted before and you think they've got a good story, then I'm sure Justin would be more than happy to speak to them. Absolutely. Definitely. All right, Justin, take care and have a fantastic week. Yeah. Thank you, Harry. You too. Thanks again for listening in and hope you enjoyed that conversation with Justin. I really think he's doing something different and you're going to see interviews on Driven to Better of folks that are working hard to get their entrepreneurial endeavors off the ground. And I'm glad that he's highlighting these folks and I'm definitely wishing him luck. And uh, I'm pretty sure if he continues on this track, he'll be around for a while. So as always, we'd love your support. Podcastjunkies.com slash iTunes and uh, leave us a, a rating and a review. And don't forget to subscribe as well. One other thing that we're trying to get people to sign up, we have a, um, a PDF that I put together. It's uh, eight tools you can use to be more productive in your 
podcast production. And I've made it a bit easier for you to subscribe. You can actually send a text message. You can text the word podcast junkies, uh, all one word to three, three, four, 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 and then it'll prompt you for your email. And then you can sign up right away. So you can do it while you're mobile. So it's podcast junkies, text that one word to three, three, four, 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 and I'll get you signed up to the list and get you that PDF right away. All right, guys, thanks. And uh, as always, uh, appreciate your support and I'll catch up with you next week.